Welcome to Traumedy. I'm your host, Nancy Norton. I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm also a registered nurse, and I'm studying therapeutic humor and give keynote presentations about the power of humor, why we need it, how it helps us get through the worst times, all the benefits of humor. There are so many, too many to mention right now, but just know it does save lives. Are you going through hell? Don't get stuck. Have your feelings. Get a good trauma therapist. And Traumedy is here to help you out between sessions. Let's do this together. It's peer-to-peer learning and sharing. Every episode, I learn a little something. Thank you for your support of the podcast, emotionally, financially, in any way that you feel like supporting this podcast. I really love that we're getting the word out there and helping people shift from the heaviness of trauma into the lightness of humor. This week's episode deals with the trauma of divorce and the trauma of getting a severe case of COVID and having a near-death experience. Welcome to Traumedy with John Olson, comedian and somebody who has heard Traumedy and related to one of the other stories. As what my understanding is, is that is that how you came to share your story with me today? Yeah, it was Mo Alexander's story, kind of similar in a way. I, I mean, p- at least part of it. Why don't you just jump in here and tell me what went on with you? And uh, we'll get to the part where how humor maybe helped you and how you, you know, maybe helped write material about it. Yeah, you know, I had been doing comedy for a while, uh, kind of in and out since 1998, um, uh, 97, actually. I, you know, I, I got married, uh, I had kids, um, well, a child in 1999, and then just kind of did what my regular thing was. I was a uh, restaurant general manager for uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken for years. Uh, 2011, my, my father passed away from cancer, um, and I decided I was going to then follow my dreams and jump back into comedy and uh that's when i really went headfirst into it i have it's uh one child and it was when he was 11 or 12 years old when they have a sense of themselves and in fact they want you out of the house <laughs> i found for me anyway i i went back into stand up i took a break uh, after adopting my son in 2004 or 2005 he came home and yeah, I 2016, I went back into it again. So I get it, man. So 2011, big life change. First of all, your dad passed. Maybe that gave you that really big message that life is short. What do I really want to do? And also your son's old enough now that, um, hey, he can, he can get a job. <laughs> yeah, get in there. Yeah. I'm just yeah. kidding. I mean, I mean, that would be a dream come true. Get a job. 12 years old. <laughs> Fend for yourself. Okay, I got to stop laughing at myself. I was just... Um, no, you're good. I think it's the stress of parenting that it would be great. If, <laughs> it's horrible. That's child labor laws. Forget that I said that. <laughs> well, it's only child labor laws if it's not your own kid. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You can not You can make your own kid work? I, well, for, your, for yourself. Like, if I wanted to have my child work for John Olson comedy and do all the grunt work of, I don't know what social they, media, they, get these kids yeah, to right. work for us on Snapchat. Come on. Yep. That's right. <laughs> okay. You that... can have them do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's nothing anybody can say about it. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that now, man, you're giving me ideas. 
Yeah, my, although my son's 18. Your son, is, my son's 18 now, and your son is obviously 23 or 4 by now. Yep, yep, yep. So, well, so tell me more. So you, yeah, your your dad passed. I mean, this is that's a big rite of passage. Nothing, not, life is never the same after. It's like, right. it's the end of an yeah. era. It's the end of an era when a parent passes, I think. Uh, pretty much, yeah. And, you know, I never really grieved it, right? Um, oh, you did you not? Know, you didn't grieve your no. dad's passing? No, not really. No. Um, you know, it. You know, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I just remember, like, you know, he died on the 23rd of June. Um, on the 24th, I was at work, and everybody's like, "Why are you here?" And I say, like, yeah, "It's okay. Like everything's fine." You know, I, I think I was just kind of like running from it, hiding it. You know what I mean? Sure. And that's um, not that's not unusual. That's part of the grieving process is avoiding it. Denial is like, isn't that a stage of grief? Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Well, the thing, you know, like I said, I started like I dove right back into into doing comedy and, and, you know, me and the ex-wife's, uh, well, we're getting to that, but anyway, me and the ex-wife's uh, relationship at that time was, was pretty good. Um, that was your current wife at the time in 2011. Yep. yep. Yeah. So your wife, uh, were, you and your wife were getting along pretty well yep. and you went back into comedy and maybe that was a part of you coping with the grief too, is just use, you know, let focus on something that you, it's like rock climbing. I think comedy, you, you have to, be present when you're doing it it's true and and i had a lot of um irons in the fire you know like i i was doing comedy um and then at the same time uh like that year i basically started uh 501c3 to help other families um with cancer treatments and stuff like that you put that grief into purpose to help yeah. others wow that's beautiful john uh, thank you it was something I was trying to do thinking of him, you know, because like the resources and everything that, that he had weren't really readily available. And, um, you know, me and my, uh, my mom and my dad just kind of like went along and did the treatments and whatever they could. And, you know, uh, but the organization that I, um, that I started was called cancer sucks comedy rocks. And what we did was um, every year um, in the fall, we would have a comedy show fundraiser. You know, we raised upwards of like 80 some thousand dollars for people um, overall. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, Yeah. it was a really, really cool, I thought, thing um, that we did. And a lot of people uh, benefited from it. Yeah. And I I had a lot of... uh, a lot of people to help me out with this and, and, uh, I, you know, I'll never be able to, uh, thank them enough for their time and, and everything else. Um, but maybe but, they, but maybe like you, they just wanted to be of service and it's enough. Yeah. It's enough to know that there were people that got services that they needed. Some, what did you provide the money for respite care or transportation was, to treatments um, or what was it? It, it you know, at first it was kind of like, um, there was several different things that we did. We provided, um, money for, uh, so people can get screenings done and everything else like preventative. Um, but then also, uh, ended up, uh, providing, you know, the money for basically whatever they wanted to do. Um, it, it didn't matter. Um, I, I, you know, like it was for, it was for the family and, and whatever they needed to, if it was groceries, 
Um, if it was medical bills, if it was, I hate to say this, but if it was their last vacation, I, it didn't matter. Yeah, you know what I mean? Their discernment, whatever they needed, it's just great. You know, had that in the fire, was doing comedy, was working full time. Um, and then, you know, something had to give. And at that time, my ego was such that I was like, okay, I'm just going to give comedy all, you know, and it, it just didn't work out. I, I ended up leaving KFC. That was in 2014. Ended up leaving KFC to, you know, do comedy full time and it didn't work out for me. So I ended up actually being a car salesman and I, I was okay at it. I didn't like it. And then basically I went back to, uh, to KFC and I used can, it for, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. That was rude. No, it's okay. I think I'm a little bit hungry. So (laughs) (laughs) well, every time you say KFC, I am, uh, I eat mostly plants, but can I just tell you KFC, I, that, I don't know why this is my thing, but I go to KFC, I get mashed potatoes and coleslaw and it is one of my favorite comfort foods ever is just mixing KFC mashed potatoes and coleslaw. I just wanted to share that with you because every time you say it, I'm going, ooh, I want some mashed potatoes and coleslaw. Okay, I, I, mean, I got that out of my system. Now I won't interrupt you about that again. No, you're okay. The, the KFC, I mean, the potatoes and gravy coleslaw are kind of their staples. It should be the chicken, but it's not. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the potatoes and gravy coleslaw. But, hey, know. and you know what? They have a vegetarian thing now because I like the crunchies. It's always like, I always like, this is as a kid even, I only wanted to eat chicken. This is gross. I'm going to say it. I only wanted to eat the chicken skin. I like the crispy crunchies and um, I don't do the gravy on the potatoes because now mostly I eat, like I said, I try not to eat animal stuff, but they do have a vegetarian thing now. I got to try it. I don't think I've had the vegetarian offering from KFC. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead now. So, you know, I went back to KFC. I kind of made less money, but I, I did less hours and it was for comedy. And, um, you know, I did that for a couple of years. Well, anyway, like to make a long story short, basically all that, you know, led to some resentment, I believe from my ex-wife and, sure. um, yeah. and that's where, that's, that's where the, the heart broke and, and the mind went, went bye-bye. I, I remember I was at work when she called me. Uh, I remember the words that she said to me. You know, she's like, we were so young and I just knew at that point, like things were not good. So, um, cause she was speaking in past tense about you guys. Yeah. We were so young, meaning like, you know, she was like, she was done. And, uh, it kind of, that, that's where things went, went really kind of bad for me. Um, were you uh, blindsided? Were you just completely shocked? You're at work. And she calls yeah, was, you at work. Why? Why not say this yeah. in person? I I don't I don't know. Or maybe uh, that uh, maybe she needed the courage. Like she didn't think she could face you and say it. I'm not. I don't need to do her work for her. But I'm trying to imagine a marriage. Although, oh, you and I have some a lot in common that way. How how old were you when you got married? I was uh, nineteen, nineteen or twenty. Yep, I was two. I was twenty. Yeah, and I just saw my ex husband on a visit um, recently we were so young and we really were, we, we did help each other grow up a little bit because we put each other through college, but then it really was when I started stand up that we drifted apart. So you're following your dream and 
you know like i i think we we tried we tried to make it work and it, it just didn't and 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 you know it it went to hell in a handbasket from there um you know i was you know i was out of the house uh, i have two younger children too um that we had together oh that's rough um, that's so rough sorry yeah it 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 definitely um it definitely kind of sucked <laughs> you know um i didn't really have anywhere to go um i ended up i did end up getting an apartment uh but very briefly uh turns out you know finances and everything else weren't gonna work out and i ended up basically homeless uh, i was sleeping in my car Oh man. Um and there was times where I did stay with my mother who who um still lives in town there. I I did that for a while. Um at that time, you know, uh I did end up walking away from comedy again. I didn't feel very funny. I didn't feel my life was very funny. Oh, um, yeah. It, when you lose your home, it is a, this is where it is hard to find the funny. When you yeah. are, when your basic needs are not met, that is super, like you're in it. Yeah, it, it was, it, it got kind of rough there. Um, oh, wow. I mean, obviously it got, it got really rough. I remember when I walked away from comedy, like when I first, when everything first started going down, I was still performing and, um, but I didn't want to perform as John Olson. Like I didn't feel John Olson could still perform. I, I went by a stage name, um, for very briefly before I, before I walked away. Um, I, I, I'm I was, curious about that. Cause I've often thought about using a stage name or I look at biopics of famous people and many of them have changed their names. And I kind of wonder, I wonder to myself, like, I wonder if that helps them fly a little higher because they don't have all this shame from, I mean, I'm going to go with myself here. I have a lot of shame from early childhood and it's like, I can't, Nancy Norton can't say these things. My mother told me you can't say those things. And so sometimes I wish I had a, like a different, like I, my persona is definitely amped up on stage. It's a, a part of me, but I do wonder, I wish, I kind of wish I had taken on a stage name a long time ago. So that, that, that was transient for you? That, that was only just for a little while? Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was very brief. My last performance, I was actually in a contest. I was up on stage and I was going through, you know, my act. And I got to a part that usually uh, was about, my my then wife i got to that part and i just froze mm. i just they're like i couldn't like i just couldn't do it and i i did something that i never thought i'd ever do um i just walked off the stage and when i walked off the stage i i was leaving everything there like everything was done yeah. like in my mind my mindset at that point was like I'm not doing this anymore. And it, um, but it just went to show like with everything that was going on, like I would, like I said, I was heartbroken. I feel I, I was never diagnosed, but I feel I had a nervous breakdown. I, I was diagnosed with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder 
through my my therapist. Yeah. And I just I seemed like I was a completely different person. Like the the John Olson that uh, basically left that house in like June of 2018 no longer existed to me. The problem is is that like I still had all his memories. I still had all his pain. I still had all that stuff. And so I was carrying that stuff with me. I, I was still going to work um, and just trying to, I was trying to actually move forward with, with my life and everything else. And um, you know, what comes to my mind when you, and I just, just pause for just a second. And I'm going to just take a deep breath because I feel I'm, you know, I'm also like I say, <laughs> I've had a devastating um, breakup where I, to me, it was like the dominoes. I said the dominoes just fell in my reality. Like, and I I didn't know what was real, what was up, what was down, who I was, who I'd been. And just take a deep breath to reconnect with ourselves here. I often teach people to do uh, vasovagal, like kind of resets, you know, and I'm just doing it for myself right now. Just kind of, Ooh, because I was thinking about PTSD, you know, when they first figured out back in the day in World War II, I think it was, might have been World War One. they talked about shell-shocked, and yep. I think about you going to work, because this is the way I felt, and I want to know if you felt the same way, like a shell of a person, like a yep. shell, like a, there's, you don't even know who, who you are inside, you go through the motions, you're like w- uh, c- craving to remember uh, the feeling of joy, the feeling of simple pleasures, you know, like I almost feel like I want to cry. Like I feel a heart, I feel your heartbreak because I've had a similar heartbreak. And it's so sad when you've invested fully in your life and you think this is uh, reliable. It's just devastating. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta have a little tear. Because uh, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I am not afraid of feelings. I like to just let them move, and I like to tell people what's going on, so they don't wonder <laughs> what's going on over yeah. there. I have tissues. <laughs> all, all is well. I my feelings are pretty immediate, and as you were talking, I just kept feeling this pain in my heart. It's just a pain in my, you know, it's just a feeling in my body. I'm just empathizing. I, I mean, I had custody of my son, and I was homeless, but I had a friend that took us in, so it wasn't like I was living on the streets or, you know. Um, but still, I had the same feeling. I, I had to go to work. <clears throat> I had to. I had to go make some money, and I, I just walked. I just, and I did not know who honestly who I was anymore. And I, I couldn't find the joy of a mountain bike ride or a flower yep. or look at a flower. And I'm like, but wait, that used to spark something in me that used to, yeah, I feel like I want to cry. I, it used to feel, yeah. it used to feel beautiful or smell it. You know, I hate to be cliche, but just smelling the roses, like that's, I couldn't, I couldn't feel, and I had this beautiful child, and I will say this, he helped me, just taking care of him, you know, helped me ground and make a meal and give him a bath, put him in his onesie, put him to bed, rub his back, tell him a story, sing his song, those kind of things stored up. I still felt like a little bit of a shell of a person doing it, but I, he could help me connect with my heart and know myself and so anyway, uh, again, 
this is where on the podcast, I feel like sometimes I overshare. I don't want to make it about me, but I just want to know that, want you to know that you're not alone. Um, So there you are. You're going to work. That's why I was thinking about shell-shocked and feeling like a shell of a person. I don't know. I never put those together until I was just listening to you going, oh, PTSD, shell-shocked. Yep. And then not, who am I? Yeah. Woo! Okay, so I, uh, or or are you divorced yet, or are you in the process? Um, uh, I was in the process of being divorced at that time, yeah. Um, and that doesn't help you with custody when you don't have a job that pays, like you don't have a home, you don't have a place yeah, the kids seeing, can come. I'm, you know, she was, she was pretty good, man. She like, you know, kind of getting on track of how it was going to be. I was seeing them every other weekend. I was, I could, at that time I was living in town there. So I could see them basically whenever I wanted to, I was taking them to school, you know, like I, I, I still loved her deeply, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you know, it, her seeing other people was not good for me. Um, yeah. You know, even though I, I tried to see other people, it, it, you know, like I said, hurt begets hurt, you know, and I ended up hurting a lot of people in this, you know, I really did. And I know I did. And, you know, and I can't, I, I can't take it back. I wish I could, you know, and I became a very bitter person. I became very uh, kind of maybe spiteful in some ways. You know, I thought I had to be, I thought I had to be kind of a monster in order to get over, uh, get rid of all the pain that I was feeling and and, um, felt like maybe if I pushed everybody else away from me, you know, had that monster mentality that, whatever was was hurting me at the time i would scare that away too you know it, it's a very yeah i childish am, way I you am, know in a way to think but i think there's a craving for things to be equal too i don't know how that yep. all plays out but I, that may be under the category of misery loves company but it also i feel it just like things need to be fair and i think kids we all and i do think that is one of the things i I can see as an adult child that it should be fair, you know, and even though your mom said life's not going to be fair, there's a part of us that wants to make it fair. Yeah. And that's, that's honest. And, and, you know, like I, I still to that, this point, you know, to this day, we'll say like, you know, like if somebody isn't as hurt as the, what I was, or somebody doesn't have to go through the pain and the agony that I do, like, you know, that ain't right. You know, like, why do I have to do that garbage? It it took a lot to get through that mentality. And and a lot of it had to do with completely and utterly switching locations of where I was. And I, I you know, I did that. Uh, I got offered a position again with KFC as an actual manager of a store in Owatonna, Minnesota. Again, still not doing comedy or whatever else, but I, at the same time, uh, my divorce was uh, finalized at that point. Um, I got my kids every other weekend, and I made that four-and-a-half-hour drive, and I still do. But this was your you way know? of, because you still loved your wife so much, and you need you know get out of that, get out of those uh, 
environments where you're just getting triggered constantly. We used to go there and we used to do this and that's my favorite place that, or my friend or my buddy or, you know, common friends and all that. Yeah. I get away from all those associations. I did. And you know what, honestly, uh, I always, you know, I, I joke about it and you know, the town, you know, the city where I'm from Sioux city, Iowa. And, uh, it's a fairly large town, almost a hundred thousand people. It just wasn't big enough for the both of us. I get. So, I understand. <laughs> I do. So, yeah. You know, uh, I moved to Owatonna, and I I started doing um, doing the KFC thing again, and I started seeing other women, and completely and completely and utterly not fulfilling any part of my life. To be honest with you, um, it wasn't fun. I wasn't enjoying myself. I was going to the bar. I was uh, just not not having a good time. And then, just by happenstance, I met who I now know is absolutely the love of my life. Oh, I'm so happy! And I'm I'm so happy for you. Thank you. She's um, she's incredible. She's taught me a lot. About feelings, she's taught me a lot about how to handle my anger. Yeah, and and she uh, is credited with saving my life, and not only my life as you know, um, you know, with with the whole like, oh, you saved my life because I was going downhill. I'd been going downhill for a long, long time. She saved my life, both metaphorically and and legitimately. And and this is why. On um, I got COVID. Coincidentally, she also had COVID. We were quarantined separately. Um, she was in uh, another town <laughs> at at her mother's place. I am in my apartment. Um, she was taking care of me essentially through. Uh, like DoorDash and stuff like that, like um, getting things delivered to me and whatnot. Oh, even when so... even when she was ill, was she yep. just, was she not as ill as you? Were um, you... turns out no. <laughs> yeah, so you were like you were laid out. You you. Yeah, you... I didn't I didn't know how bad I actually was. I I remember it hitting me like a ton of bricks. I was actually one day into my new job. One day in, it was my first day. I I went out to the car, started it, and it just hit me. And I was on the phone with her, and I said, "Hey, babe, uh, listen, uh, there's something not right. I don't feel good." And I, I, you know, my dumbass, I I went to uh, I I went to Walmart, and I walked in there and got some. Uh, like NyQuil or something. I don't even know what it was. Here I am spreading this crap everywhere. Like, I, I feel bad about it now. Like, looking back, I didn't know at that time, you know? Yeah, you did, um, yeah you're just trying to get a cold a flu remedy or something. Yep. And then I, I go to a quick trip 
there's a cheap pop for them right there, you know, a little plug. <laughs> yeah, Best we're plugging everybody. KFC, Walmart, NyQuil. <laughs> give us, come on, somebody wants to be our yeah, sponsor, right? right? <laughs> maybe we give the, maybe we have Quick Trip be my sponsor. I, 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 I go there every damn day. <laughs> they love this. Um, but anyway, so I walked into Quick Trip and I got a couple uh, big old things of uh, uh, chicken noodle soup or whatever. And I went back to the hotel because I was a, I was off training, you know, in a, in a different town i went back to the hotel the next day i got a, i was like oh my god i couldn't it, it was bad but i went in i went into work and i said listen uh i'll do what i can but i am oh my god so i learned how to order or whatever else and whatnot and then i was like i gotta go back i went back to the hotel i knew that the uh guy that was training me was going to be off the next day so that was a wednesday so that wednesday i called and i was like hey listen you know like i'm just gonna try to see if I can get this under control and I'll, I'll be in there tomorrow. Now. Like, yeah, that's fine. So well, tomorrow came and, uh, I got up and I was like, Hey, listen, I don't know what I could do, but I'll be in there. Just give me a minute. And, uh, so I, I, I went in and as I walked in, I was wearing a mask and everything else, you know, but because it was still mandated and, you know, at that point, so I'm wearing a mask or whatever. And I go in and, uh, guy looked at me and he goes whoa hey dude no you can't be here i was like really he's like oh you look like garbage and i was like really he's like yeah so they took my temperature and everything it was still normal but i i felt like garbage so i i left and i drove uh an hour and 20 some minutes and uh i got home and i i, I just I, all i wanted to do was go to bed and i crawled into bed and i had a thermometer so that, and at that point, I felt like I was burning up. I took my temperature, and it was 105. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I, man. Yeah, it was extremely high. And I'm like, oh. And I, I remember I kind of posted, I posted it on Facebook. I was like, yeah, I'm a little sick. And people were like, dude, you need to go to the hospital. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and me, at that point, I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'll be okay. And it did drop, but that was just the start of the nightmare. That was Thursday. So every day I'm getting sicker and sicker and sicker. All the flu symptoms that you have not going to go into it. But it, let's just say it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And, yeah. I think people can imagine. Yeah. Yes. And so Thanksgiving day, I talked to her and your girlfriend. Yes. Okay. And I said, uh, I'm like, I don't know, babe. I, I don't know what to do. She goes, do we, do I, do we need to get you to the hospital? And I said, I don't know. I can't breathe. Well, anyway, she came down because she was feeling better or whatever else. She came down and I remember her walking in to my bedroom because I was laying in the bed. She walked into the bedroom and she put her hand over her mouth. Because you look so, and, uh, so sick. Yeah. She said I was, I was gray. Things just weren't good. So we called 911. Paramedics came and they they knew to put oxygen on me right away. And my oxygen level at that time was 41. Oh no. 41. Turns out they told me I wouldn't have made it the night. No, you I, would I, not. I would have been gone the next day, and I know why now. But anyway, so they they put some high flow oxygen on me got me out, got me to the hospital. Uh, I was laying in, in bed there. I took a couple pictures of myself, sent them to her. 
you know, like I'm here, you know, they're waiting for a room or whatever else. And I remember there's things I don't remember. And there's things I do. I remember the gentleman walked into the, uh, the doctor walked into the room. He goes, you can't be here. We got to find you another bed somewhere else. And I said, well, where am I going? And he goes, I don't know. So I'm like, I don't know, man, just give me a bed. I don't care where it's at. Just, you know, like, I just, I just want to feel better. I wonder and, why and, he said you can't be there. Uh, because I was too sick. You're too sick for that hospital where he, that hospital. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, didn't yep. have an ICU bed or didn't have. Yep. Yep. Okay. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that I was there. Okay. Like, you know, my, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't know. Well, that was yeah. When that. you're in your forties, you don't think you're going to die <laughs> from a, right. from a virus like that. Yep. So you're in, um, yeah, you're so, but then what, so they got you, they got, what happened? They got you to another so, hospital. Well, well, there, there's the thing. I, I went out and uh, like uh, black. I don't remember. Oh. I woke, I woke up and I was in a helicopter. Oh and, wow! So you went unconscious. And, yep. Or and I was in a helicopter, and the lady was. Um, I remember looking at her. So I came to, and the lady was pumping oxygen into my mouth, like with a bag, like with an ambu, like a mask on your face, and squeezing yep, a bag. Yep. Yep, like like yep. doing artificial respirations. Essentially, yeah. Because apparently I, I had just, like, I was going into respiratory fa- failure. I didn't know this. Obviously, right? I don't know. So she's forcing, <laughs> she's forcing the air. She's probably got, yeah. yeah she's major, forcing air into my lungs. And oxygen. So I, yeah. I, I remember looking around, and this is, this is so funny. This is why I know, like, Quick Trip has got to be, like, they, they have to hear this at some point and they're, they're <laughs> going to have to make me, they're going to have to make me a spokesperson or something. I'm, I'm so I curious remember, to hear this. Okay. I, I remember flying, we were flying and I remember looking over to my left and I remember the lights and I, I, I remember saying into the mask, which was to this woman, that's quick trip. <laughs> so where it was, was they were flying me to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. That quick trip is in Casson, Minnesota. Okay. Which is right. Like it's, it's, it's on the way there. But I remember looking over there and I go, that's quick trip. <laughs> and then I went out again. I, at, at that point I, I went out and then I woke up and I was on the roof because it was really cold. They were pulling me out. Is this Thanksgiving day? Thanksgiving day? This, yep. This Thanksgiving day. And you're, um, you're on the roof of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. It's in Rochester, Minnesota. Rochester, Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, at least you went to the so, best of the best places. Yeah, and that's what that's what I, you know that's the one thing that that kind of kept me going to be honest because I knew it was I was in the best of the best. So I, I remember they, they pulled me out and there's a bunch of people and I remember like there's a lot of chattering. I remember looking at the nurse. She had a mask on and everything else, but I remember looking up at her and I go, "Ooh, whoever they're talking about is in trouble." And she goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." That's you. He's in, <laughs> yep, you're like he's in he's in trouble, but we're gonna make him better. Uh-huh. I said okay, and I said okay. Well, then I went out again. Wow. And then I came to. Now this, the people, you, you know, whatever people can say, whatever they want. And this is fine. But I remember this specifically. I came to, and I looked around and there's a bunch of people wearing, I, I call them hazmat suits, but they're, I mean, they, they were in full gear, right? Yeah. They're in their and COVID. I, they're in their COVID uh, protection. Yep. Yeah. They're PPE. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
so everybody's in in all this stuff and i closed my eyes again and i opened them again and there was a gentleman who had a hold of my right hand and i turned i turned my head and looked at him and he was not in ppe he was not i remember him very specifically he was a he was a younger guy youngish guy probably 30s or whatever else little um good looking man i'm not i'm, I'm gonna be honest I'm, I'm you know whatever i'm i'm you're not um, gay but he was attractive I, I'm not gay. I, I'm strong <laughs> but if i was <laughs> but if i was that guy you know he, yeah. he grabbed my hand he had to hold my hand he goes john hey i don't have much time but i'm gonna tell you if you do not start breathing right they're going to intubate you and if they intubate you you're gonna die <sighs> and i said i go and i just looked at it, i said okay and that and, and that was it and i went i went out again and uh i came back up and i had high flow oxygen on me but it was a mask and everything else and I, I looked around and everything and, you know, the nurses were talking, everything else. And um, that's when I came to. And when I came to, I was I was uh, kind of agitated. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Uh, I was sore. I didn't know why things were whatever. But I, I, I was that's where I was. Um. I was lucid at that time, right? I I knew what it, I knew what was happening. Things were, you know, whatever. I was asking questions. I, you know, like what's going on? They're like, you're in the ICU. You're going to be here for a while, buddy. Um, your oxygen level is, you know, we got to maintain it. It's got to go up. You got to keep it above seventy-five, or I think it was eighty-five, or something like that. Otherwise, we're going to put you on an intubator. You know, put you on a uh, ventilator, respirator. Yeah. And and uh, I said, uh, I was like, okay. I'm like, where am I at? And they're like, right now you're holding steady at 88 or something. And I said, okay. And that's with high flow oxygen, with a, a lot of like seven or eight liters or something like really high flow, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, like things, you you know, they weren't real open with me with everything. The most surreal thing was seeing. Uh, this is so sad. The most surreal thing was seeing the funeral homes coming to collect in the bodies. Oh my God. You're there uh, in this, in that ICU and they're yep. taking people out in body bags. Yep. Yep. I'm watching it happen as I'm watching, you know, uh, transformers or, you know what? The transformer thing is pretty on point because I mean, I am a firm believer in an afterlife. So I do like that analogy of people that have moved on and they are no longer needing that body, but still, uh, as somebody who's still here of this earth, okay, you're watching this happen. Like, wow, another one, another one, and another yep. one. And they, it was every, it was it, every day. It, I was I was in that ICU for eight days. It was every day. Doctor comes in one day, and I said, hey. What is going on with my chest? And she said, "Well, maybe it's because you had a hundred and forty pound nurse on you giving you CPR. Uh, Crack my ribs." 
And um, no one at that time had told you you'd been resuscitated, you'd been brought back, you had your heart had stopped. Stop. Yep. And I was gone for a little over three minutes. <gasps> wow. Yep. Um Wow. Yeah, and they put in the other thing was is there there's like a I could see like a like I, I I don't know why, but I just now I'm like, oh well duh, I should have noticed. But there was like a needle hole in my um in my chest, kind of like right, it's from the epinephrine they jabbed oh, me with. Oh, they shot your heart with the epi. Yep. Wow, um, you had the full treatment, man. I did. I was gone. I died. I died. I died and I was I was and, and I was, came back. And was that when the man came to you and took your hand, the the handsome I, man? I I don't know. I I I nobody's seen him. Nobody knows who I was talking about. Nobody at all. Um I wonder who that is. Is that I wonder if that's your spirit guy. That's your Spirit, I do My believe in spirit, angel. your My guardian spirit angel. Yeah, 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 I do believe that. That I mean, I, okay, just so you know, I am obsessed with near death experiences. In fact, I should probably do that podcast because <laughs> I mean, somebody's already got that covered. I, that is my bedtime story every night. I I listen to, uh, I'm just I'm just fascinated by it, and yeah, that's a lot of people talk about that. There's a, there's somebody assigned. They get lots of, it's, I don't know information while they're over there and they say yeah we have somebody that everybody has one and sometimes more but you have a handsome guardian angel it sounds like yeah i mean you know like uh i'd like to think uh they just keep all the handsome guys together i don't know um, <laughs> well i'm wondering i was here's where i go because i feel like my grandmother's one of my guardian angels she died in a car accident and I have had too many lucky uh, things. Like, I I have a lazy eye. I have ADHD. I'm a very distracted driver. And I get these wonderful little knowings to, like, oops, better not go there. Don't don't change lanes. And I was uh, – one of my friends, Christy Bukley, who I interviewed on the third episode, she was saying, I think – I wonder if your grandma is your gar- your driving guardian angel. Like, I, I, I got to give these – that's why I want to get a Tesla. I Shout out. We're doing a lot of corporate shout outs, but I want to get a self-driving. Yeah, I need to get a self-driving car because I have no depth perception and ADHD, but don't let my insurance company hear this. Uh, but do you, I was curious, here's what I was curious about. Did you ever look through pictures of like ancestors, grandfather, great grandfather? Is, does there anybody in your family who looks like that guy as a, as a young no. man? No, no. And, and, and my mom even asked me, like, was he your dad? And I'm like, no, it wasn't dad. Like, I just like, no, they were nobody was you no recognize from your family. Nope. OK, I was just uh, curious. Wow. But it was it, but this knowing and it was and it did. It was like, OK. And part of your psyche heard it and started breathing hard. Like, you got to work at this. Yeah. Oh, and then that's the thing. I was told like I, I had extensive lung damage based on the uh respiratory failure and everything you know like they asked me if i smoke cigarettes i said nope and you know like and that's the thing okay like this is this is where the bit comes in they asked me if i smoke cigarettes i said no i didn't which i don't okay but they didn't you know they're like good because if you smoke your risk for uh, copd is like really up there and you know it's right now you're looking at like you're not even gonna leave the hospital without oxygen i'm like what you know and I'm like, wait, hold on, smoke anything? 
and then that's you know like i i popped the crowd man like the yeah <laughs> the uh, the the nurses the nurse that was in there and the doctor at the time they started laughing they're like okay <laughs> all right and i was like sit, like sincerely and they're like yeah no you can't smoke and i it, that was the closest time i'm like sincerely that was the the time that i i literally came the closest to like crying i've been through a lot and that one boy, like, really, I can't smoke weed anymore? Oh, because like, that's been a friend cried. of yours. Yeah. My emotional support weed. Yeah, that's your, right. Your emotional yeah. support weed. So that yeah, was so, like, oh, no, that's my friend. Uh, yeah. yeah, so. Uh, but that's what made, you made them laugh when you said, wait, smoke anything? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I popped them. And that's, that's it, it, which is funny because I, I do use that as a bit. And it that at that part always makes people laugh, you know, because they, they figure it, but um uh but now I I I do um both on stage say and both off stage do I eat my weed now. So um they I, I do get edibles, uh gum gummies, make the butter, I, I do whatever I can, you know. So um but it is, it's legal now, so I'm I'm able to say this and not have any uh, ramifications. Yeah. Uh, no. Re- yeah. So, but yeah. Um. But that that's uh, part of my that's now a bit. Uh, I tell the little bit of the story there. Also do a little bit of uh, with the uh, helicopter ride. I'm you know I basically say like uh, I'm pretty sure that I joined the Mile High Club. I don't know. I was unconscious, but I do know that the uh, that chopper was a rocking, and these boots, I assume, were a knocking. <laughs> I throw that one in there. Yeah, take I, it. Doing the traumedy, doing the traumedy on your trauma. Yeah, there it is. I love yeah, I that. The the one thing I will say, um, I, you know, I I I was not supposed to leave that hospital without oxygen. Uh, they told me flat out that was it was impossible. I was still on high. I was still on um the high liter oxygen the last day and i i basically told them i said take it off of me and they're like we can't do that i said no take it off of me i don't want it so they did and not only did i make it above 90 but i was at like 95 without it 96 like i willed myself to breathe and I willed myself to have that. I, I I know that that happened, and that's that right there. Like I don't know. I was I was not gonna leave that leave that hospital with oxygen on me. All this is where I am fascinated. Everybody I talk to, almost everybody, I, I ask them like, do you feel this was for the highest good? This experience that you had. Oh, okay. I don't want to go through all that pain again, but I'm glad it happened. Yeah, if that makes sense. That's it. I. I absolutely understand, and I agree. The same for me. I do not wish it on anyone. I don't want to do it again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because uh, it makes you who you are today, and I trust it. I trust my path. That's the cool part is that I, I don't want to, like, talk about myself in two, like, two different people, but the John Olson that's talking to you right now, the John Olson that's outperforming now, I'm both – a different performer because I, I, I kind of like chilled out on stage, you know, I have kind of a different persona 
um, than what I did before. I use some of the same material, but it, it which is kind of cool because I'm like two different comedians using the same material. I know like every comic that hears this can be like, oh, that's you know, like we don't need none of that garbage or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I'm talking about it's myself though. Like I wrote it, it's mine. But it's like it, hearing it, hearing it before. And and me performing it now, it's like two different people, and that's that's the cool thing about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, well, and they talk about post traumatic growth that we we do grow, and I think once you've been to the brink and passed, you went past the brink of death. You went, you died for two to three minutes. Yeah. I mean, put stand up in perspective. Because a lot of us are terrified on stage, and we can't always access our whole self because. A lot of times when we start comedy, we are looking for approval, but then it's like, you know what? Uh, doesn't matter. Like there's that part doesn't matter. Let me just share my, you know, my gift. Let me just share my gift. Let me share some laughs. Let me lift these people up. You know, sometimes that's the way comedy for me shifted about, I don't know, 10, 10 or 15 years into it where I went from seeking approval to giving, uh, the gift of laughter, you know, really like, I hope this is for the highest good. I hope people laugh. I hope they have a good time tonight. I hope people leave feeling better than when they walked in. Yep. And that's, that's the thing, you know, like I'm not, it's kind of crazy. I'm not the biggest people person in the world. You know, like I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, maybe there's a good chance that somebody out there is going to like come to a show. They're going to see me perform. They're going to laugh. And then maybe maybe they're on the same path that I once was that laughter that, that I'm supplying them for that, you know, 30, 45 minutes at that time is, you know, going to suffice them for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, it's they're, the, they're it, like, yeah. Give them the relief from the pain. Cause it actually boosts your endogenous morphine, which is a natural painkiller in your brain when you laugh. So you're yep. going to get them relief from the pain, distract them if nothing else, and inspire them. Like, oh, my, okay, if this guy can laugh at that, then I can laugh at my stuff. That's what we're doing. This is exactly what I want to do with this podcast is show people if you can find that perspective because humor gives you that bigger perspective on things and reframe your experience and just know you can get through it. The other thing, oh, Quick Trip, I was just going to say, maybe what what why what why not approach Quick Trip about doing a Quick Trip tour? Like there's Quick Trips everywhere. You could do the Quick Trip tour, sharing that story and how it like grounded you even though you're in a helicopter, it grounded you to go, "Oh, there's Quick Trip." Like the sense of normalcy. And then It's it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, sometimes I, you know, I get inspired by the goofiest things i was legitimately probably minutes from death at that point too <laughs> yeah you know you I'm were like, about to take a quick trip yeah into heaven yeah pretty much onto the other or side or wherever it was heaven. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere out there oh my god i'm gonna break into song thank you so much for sharing your story and your inspiration and your traumedy comedy thank you it, it was a pleasure i I enjoyed this. Thank you so much. I want to thank my guest, John Olson. Reach out, connect with John on Facebook, John Olson Comedian 2.0. That's right, because it's the new version of John Olson. Also, his website is www.johnolsoncomedian.com. I want to thank my son who helped me with this music. I want to thank my listeners for your support emotionally, 
psychologically and financially. If you want to support the podcast, that is so welcome because we would love to have we being me. I would love to have an audio engineer. I think that'd be so cool. Hey, if you have a story to tell, reach out to me at www.nancynorton.tv. That's .tv like television. Okay, thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember, take your trauma, take your pain, and play with it.